They're both. I think I'll gladly both, decide both if you want. Okay, me we're to. actually we're gonna we're gonna okay then if you want to do it, Miller. Okay, who do who do you think is Ohio State? It's not even close. Not uh, even close. Okay, give me a reason why. Uh, Vanessa made a point. Better red than dead. We absolutely hate with them with a passion. But don't we do the same for Michigan State? Uh, not as much as Ohio State. No, and he and Owen at the beginning of his of his argument basically conceded that it was a he had an uphill but, but climb. He, in basketball, our two other biggest sports. I mean, we're we're more equal with Michigan State historically in basketball and hockey, and those are you know, two against one. Sounds like, making, uh, sounds like sounds like Owen made it. Owen, Owen made it sound like it was I, about your friends. That sound like Alex just talking to Okay, you know what? I hate Ohio State. <laughs> really good cases were made on, on both points. I think we'll give we'll give a we'll make this one a tie. Very very well argued by both sides. That's gonna Fair. do it for us here I'm on Take On Me. That. Once again, I've been Alex Shea. I've been your host. I, Vanessa and Owen Swanson were the two tying contestants here. Andrew Miller came in a, a close third place. Well done by all sides. Again, very convincing arguments, and that does it here for Take On Me. Thank you very much for listening. Good night and go blue. Good evening. It's a little after 6.30 p.m. And welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Uh, you, by the way, can still pledge via the Internet. Phone by anymore, but uh, we certainly appreciate the food donors, the volunteers, and the pledgers. So uh, keep up the good work, everybody. WCBN.org. That is the web address. Um, I'd always like to make a special mention to the Washtenaw Dairy because they've been supporting these fundraisers for decades. Yeah. Every day of the fundraiser, too. So if you want to see what's right about America, go down to the Washtenaw Dairy in the summertime after dinner. Check out the ice cream scene there. There's an ice cream social there virtually every night. Lots of kids. It's on the old west side at the corner of Ashley and Madison. 
and they contribute to other public radio stations in the area. Anyway, uh, a rather bizarre week uh, last week. It started out with Andrew McCabe, and it ended up with sex, 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 sex scandals everywhere. Um, owner of the New England Patriots getting caught up in a uh, massage parlor in Florida. Hey, hey, hey. Human trafficking. Trump had been talking about that earlier. He's, of course, on his way to Hanoi. We'll give him a brain damage award for even having the summit in Hanoi. I wondered if his bone spurs are going to start ouching and yeah. aggravating him again here. Oh, my bone spurs. Well, and I think we also have learned his 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 code name, Agent Orange. <laughs> of course, the Vietnam War, a disgraceful uh, example of uh, imperialistic overreach by the United States government, totally amoral from day one. Lots of propaganda and lots of resemblances well, to the War on Terror and the Iraq War. Not just morally wrong, tactically wrong. Yeah. I mean, both are serious uh, shortcomings in any endeavor. Uh, obviously, I would prioritize the moral one, but it's it's you you can't overlook the fact that it was a tactical error from the get go. What are we doing in Vietnam? Well, that's a good question, and of course, uh, what are we still doing in Afghanistan? A completely legitimate question. Trump is already backtracking, by the way, on some of the withdrawals from Syria with uh, sort of vague hopes that Europe will pick up the slack. Um, I don't know that the British and French uh, want to go into Syria to rescue America's uh, burning chestnuts. Well, with Pompeo uh, publicly shaming or attempting to shame uh, conventional U.S.-European allies uh, over disagreements regarding the Iran Treaty uh, have certainly undermined uh, efforts behind the scene by Pompeo to actually <laughs> pull something serious and legitimate and functional together. And you have to love Kim Jong-un <clears throat> going by train, armored train, no less. That is, of course, an homage to That's both they, the Trotsky and Stalin. <laughs> Covers all the bases. Well, and they no longer have access to the rubber bands big enough to power their uh, fleet of, uh, of planes in yeah. North Korea. Well, obviously, so f few planes actually fly out of North Korea. They might know he's leaving. And uh, mysterious uh, plane crashes, of course... Uh, Associated with Korea, yeah. Beleaguered many a uh, um, a nation over the years. In fact, very interesting, by the way, that there apparently are some uh, uh, new investigations and leads into the shootdown of Dog Hammarskjöld's plane back in 1961. He was the UN um, Secretary General at the time who was negotiating... <clears throat> Uh, um, an end to the uh, violence in the Congo, the Belgian Congo at the time, uh, that had <clears throat> recently won um, independence, was in a civil war. And, of course, Patrice Lumumba was uh, assassinated uh, the day before John F. Kennedy became president. Always big questions about that. Fabulous movie by Raoul Peck regarding... The Life of Patrice Lumumba, if you want to check out movies, since they're in the news. Uh, 
Um, I don't know if you want to talk about the Oscars, but uh, not particularly. I, uh, they spread the wealth. I, I I think that a lot of the movies were kind of uh, didn't see a lot of the films this year. I don't even know whether or not in, the inadequate, but Mr. they were they were good. They weren't just great. That's that's the thing. I do think Roma, had it been in color, might have won the best best picture. Obviously, this uh, Green Book movie is going to follow uh, with a lot of controversy. But I would like to point out that movies are works of art by mainly the director. Usually, there's a it's a collaborative effort between several people. But they are not documentaries. They do not have to necessarily adhere to all of the accuracy. All movies take liberties with the truth. They are works of art in their own genre. So um, I don't know what Don Shirley's uh, music sales have done since this movie came out, but uh, I'm sure they've improved quite a bit. And I think that the family has stated what they object to. Some of the critics have stated what they object to, and some of those objections have legitimacy. But let's remember, this is a movie, not a documentary. It's not history. It's not a depiction of truth. It's a vision. Visions are flawed. I haven't seen the movie, frankly. Uh, probably won't, even, because the theme of the movie, I've, I've heard enough discussion of it that I wouldn't be either disappointed or pleasantly surprised. Movies that, quote, are feel-good movies, and this movie sounded a little bit like a ripoff of Driving Miss Daisy, um, are good, but sometimes not quite uh, as profound as needed. I did see Roma. I highly recommend that movie. The favorite is what we would call an entertainment. It's, it's fun. Uh, it, too, is not history. It deals with uh, Queen Anne and the end of the British so-called restoration. That sometimes does get lost in the uh, shuffle of Oscars uh, because awards and prizes are sort of synonymous with uh, greatness, or if not greatness, at least some you know minute discriminating details that allow one to you know hierarchize to make a list of, well, this is better than that. Um, but sometimes truly great films have been uh, sadly and sorely overlooked uh, because the one of the Academy's problems is that they like to pat themselves on the back. They like movies about movies, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with those. They are, as you say, entertainments. Uh, but sometimes in an effort to make it look like there is, you know, oh, we're tapped into uh, a, a contemporary social issue zeitgeist. Uh, a film like Kramer versus Kramer gets the nod for best picture of the year over Apocalypse Now. Uh, an oversight that still yeah. feels like an open wound to me. There's just no comparison in what those two films were trying to do. An Ordinary People over Raging Bull, for instance. Not quite as... Yeah, you know... Ordinary People was 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 a very good movie. It's a powerful film with some great performances, <laughs> uh, but it also could have been like a television film, like a made-for-TV yeah. movie. And that does that's not to diminish the importance of the serious 
and uh, you know tragic uh, implications that that story uh, contains. But as an art form, you'd think that a film as beautifully shot as Raging Bull might have received a little bit more consideration in the artistic component. Yeah, and by the way, the favorite, uh, its strength is the acting and the witty dialogue. If you like uh, kind of light, hard comedy with a lot of puns and... Sarcastic British people with wigs. Sarcastic British people. Who isn't? With powdered wigs and... All sorts. It was yeah, uh, that is one that I had wanted to see. Bodier than one would think. I would hope that they, um, somebody in Hollywood, would make a movie about the the writers of the restoration: John Dryden, Alexander Pope, uh, Addison and Steele, Swift. That the the reason the reason that the that writing was so good movie, yeah. was, in fact, I think a a reaction to how decadent the restoration in Britain was uh, as it related to Louis the Fourteenth. Do you happen to know if uh, the Mr. Rogers film won the best documentary? It did not, and uh, many critics are That's unfortunate. outraged that it didn't even get nominated. I didn't realize that. Wow, that is an or, or it was it was greatly overlooked. I, yeah. Maybe it was nominated. Listeners um, should seek that film out if they haven't seen it. Even if you're too old to have grown up watching the program, uh, it has important things to say about childhood and about how uh, the media shortchanges children on a routine basis and the importance of just simple decency. <laughs> And love for your fellow human. Roma, by the way, I think will be a film that will endure for a much longer period of time than either Green Book or The Favorite. Um, I think that it really was a modest masterpiece. Um, I think that it didn't win Best Picture because it won Best Foreign Picture. And I don't think they were going to give it. That's hardly ever happens. It does both matter. awards uh, for obvious reasons. Also, the black and white component uh, I found strange because one of the most uh, I could see part of the movie being in black and white. By the way, but I, the uh, the 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 scene at the end with the ocean or the beach or whatever it was uh, with the water uh, when the uh, uh, domestic uh, servant nanny <clears throat> runs into the water to save a couple of the children, even though she can't swim, is a really, really powerful uh, cinematic experience. And uh, I'm glad that that movie was recognized the way it was. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we shall move on. But it was interesting that they spread the wealth this year and Many critics are actually claiming that the fact that they didn't have an, a host uh, kept the show moving. I didn't see any of it, but uh, certainly read a lot about cinema. And uh, highly, I, I saw Shoplifters, by the way. It's another kind of uh, clever uh, movie that's got a lot to say about Japan, uh, a country, um, well... A close ally of the United States. And, of course, they were in the news over the weekend because uh, the uh, voters of Okinawa uh, want the American military to leave. Well, that's been true for a long time now. But uh, Abe has said no. Right. 
And this is part of this this sort of chaotic foreign policy of... Uh, well, in the context of the trip to have uh, the second play date with Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Um, the first one accomplished nothing other than merely cosmetic flourishings. Um, that the uncertainty that has spread throughout the region... I mean, there's even the rumor that Abe, of all people, has uh, nominated Trump for... A Nobel Peace Prize. Well, that's been Which, sort of disputed or not confirmed. Amusing, if true, and uh, amusing, if not true. Um, I, I regard it as highly unlikely. I, I would put it in that category as well. Uh, incredibly highly unlikely. Japan is, by the way, not thrilled with the uh, trade wars that are going on. Um, but they communicate their message very differently than Mike Pompeo. Uh, John Bolton and Donald Trump, who, of course, had to opine on the Oscars himself, getting into a big dispute with Spike Lee. We won't go there. No, but uh, I think the, the Japanese, among others um, in the region, are concerned about what might Trump give up to Kim uh, in exchange for more you know, dubious pretensions. Um, and so, uh, apparently, uh, there has been consultations with Russia about how to approach the North Korea situation. Oh, and I would just think that's in America's national security interest to collaborate with. Let's get Russia's input on how we should deal with North Korea. Well, a year ago, I, I reread some of the um, intellectual history of the Korean War and have come up with kind of a new perspective on what really happened. Um, I think it's also bizarre that the United States has sort of <clears throat> assumed that it's supposed to make a deal with North Korea. Uh, the Korean War was a United Nations operation, and I believe that Stalin duped America into going into Korea. Uh, I don't know that he ordered Kim's grandfather to invade North Korea, but by walking out of the Security Council uh, and given the fact that Taiwan, uh, a.k.a. Formosa, i.e. Shanghai Shek, uh, represented China in the Security Council, right. uh, the United States did technically get a unanimous vote on uh, the U.N. operation in Korea. That essentially was a stalemate uh, by 1951. And then when the Chinese <clears throat> warned the United States not to cross the Yalu River uh, and MacArthur defied that, he not only was fired by Truman eventually, which turned into its own American political domestic scandal of very bizarre proportions, but Mao Zedong uh, was making a clear statement that China's uh, communist revolution was here to stay and that he wasn't going to allow MacArthur to come on to the Chinese mainland. Uh, let's remember that North Korea is in a kind of a dangerous neighborhood. <laughs> Beautiful beaches, though. Beautiful beaches that <laughs> Trump is... Eager and anxious to develop... Uh, Boy, from a real estate perspective, uh, it's, it's a great neighborhood. Uh, singing uh, singing uh, women in bikinis and salutes and all kinds of... I wish of, they all could be North Korean girls. Flag, uh, 
flag teams of of all sorts. Uh, they were in the Olympics last year as a a a flag team. Um, but yeah, Trump's uh, concept of what's actually going on in that region is just mind-bogglingly naive. Uh, I certainly don't object to uh, discussions, uh, but exaggerated accomplishments, which is one of Donald Trump's fortes, uh, need not uh, be associated with what's going to happen in a couple of days in Hanoi. Agent Orange meets Rocket Man. Well, I am uh, curious, as I'm sure are many, uh, what's going to happen Oh, let's say late Wednesday afternoon after Michael Cohen has been publicly testifying before the oversight committee chaired by Elijah Cummings. Yeah. And uh, in the 12-hour time distance that there is from uh, Washington, D.C. to North Korea, it'll be a late night for the tweetster staying up late. And uh, I'm sure he's packed an extra toothbrush or three just in case he realizes, nah, maybe I better just stay here in Hanoi and get back on that train to North Korea with Kim Jong-un and just call it a day and defect to North Korea. And uh, there you go. That's that's one possible scenario. Or he may take the midnight train to Georgia. <laughs> right. The country of... Because there are so many friends in Ukraine nearby. That's right. But uh, let's remember that Kim Jong-un has met <clears throat> Xi Jinping, I think, five times now. Yeah. So you can rest assured that the United States, at some level, is being played for the fool. Uh, the uh, demand that's allegedly on the table that they're making is the, quote, complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, which would entail America withdrawing from Korea completely. Uh, will the Trump and Pompeo accept such a thing to uh, so that Donald Trump can win the Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> I kind of doubt it. And as for the Nobel Peace Prize... Let's not fool ourselves here. Donald Trump has given bellicose war speeches over the past several months, mainly to right-wing uh, political groups. Uh, during the government shutdown, by the way, if you want to see a photograph that <laughs> is worth a thousand words, uh, see the military guys with their arms crossed where Donald Trump is talking about reviving Star Wars. Uh, recently, by the way, he's advocated a new branch of the military, conquering space. What? Uh, why? I want there to be space research. Yes, but the militarization of space and this new sort of... He must have fallen asleep uh, in front of the TV with some sci-fi movie on and woke up and think think it was Fox. Well, the, the thing that's so bizarre, too, is there's this battle royale going on in Washington about China now. There's the, the, these hawks, these sort of right-wing neoconservative nutbags that are actually advocating a kind of military war with China, a kind of, they're our new rival. We must confront them everywhere. Well, they're not everywhere. It's They're not like Johnny Cash. Uh, we are. And, you know, we have troops all over the globe. Right. Um, 5,000 different facilities scattered around the globe. Uh, it's interesting that Donald Trump is <clears throat> diverting funds from some military bases to shore up the border down at the Rio Grande. 
and also uh, apparently uh, taking money from uh, FEMA uh, well, for the, those purposes. The vote uh, on that resolution uh, trying to put an end to his bogus declaration of a national emergency, uh, that vote is up tomorrow. That will also be interesting to see how that particular vote goes. There are a number of Republicans who are expected to vote against it. Yeah, and of course what's going to happen, <clears throat> uh, the Kabuki Theater of America will mean that the resolution will pass, Trump will veto it, but the override won't work. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court, by the way, has heard a number of cases related to the impoundment of funds uh, on the one hand, and the Korean, or excuse me, the Youngstown Steel case that actually happened during the Korean War. Hmm. These are examples and are case one and two in any uh, constitutional law book about the separation of powers. So this not only is going to be a congressional resolution situation, uh, but this is going to end up before the Supreme Court as a separation of powers uh, decision. And it will be fascinating to see whether or not <clears throat> Brett Kavanaugh um, is going to believe in adhering to stasis diseases. You know, the um, is beer involved? Well, I hope that the Solicitor General brings lots of beer for him. But how bizarre that Clarence Thomas would opine. <sighs> I was going to mention that. About overturning Sullivan. Um, 1964 case. Uh, Clarence Thomas wants to make it uh, easier for public officials to prevail in libel suits. I.e. Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I guess one way of looking at the last couple of years is that it's a sort of a, oh, it's a workshop, a seminar, if you will, in uh, constitutional uh, law constitutional structure uh, as the uh, gigantic ape, the orange ape thrashes about within the confines of the American political system. If you pay attention, you, you can learn a lot about how the Constitution has spelled it out and how things are supposed to work. Uh, and uh, Clarence Thomas proving uh, yet again his uh, status as a tool. Well, and, and Trump is being sued by all kinds of people. He's, of course, threatened all kinds of Defamation cases, uh, many of those have not been forthcoming. Um, so I don't know. Obviously, a public figure like Donald Trump has to prove uh, both falsehood and malice. <laughs> um, pr proving claims about Donald Trump to be false when he is the master of ceremonies of mendacity. There's a minor powerful smell of mendacity in this room, Brit. That's from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, it, it, it's bizarre. And then, of course, what do we see the next day? We see the beleaguered high school students of Covington, Kentucky, uh, which is just south of Cincinnati. It's basically a burb of Cincinnati. It's only there because of the city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, they, uh, the, the high school boys, by the way, were in Washington that weekend for to protest Roe versus Wade. Um, an interesting field trip in and of itself. They're suing. Our teenage boys should take such a keen interest in that. Is a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. 
<laughs> since it's usually the teenage boys that are uh, doing the impregnating, <laughs> secretly seeking the abortions. Yeah. Uh, since, uh, gee, the last time I checked, it's called paternity lawsuits. Right. Something that Donald Trump probably knows quite a bit about. One wonders what we, kind we, of... We may learn a little bit more about paternity suits, too. Yeah, soon. what kind of files David Pecker... Pecker, Dave, the name is Pecker. Uh, the, the bizarreness of, of what's going on is, is just mind-boggling. They're suing, by the way, the Covington teenagers... For two hundred and fifty million dollars, and this psychological is, damage, like like social media is the one that spread all this uh, inaccuracy. And gee, social media spreading inaccuracies, what a novel concept! When when did Isn't that, that one happen? Of its main things. That's <laughs> the purpose of it. It's crazy. <clears throat> We would like to remind you, by the way, that you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'd like to thank Andrew for engineering this evening. Uh, next week, I think we can cover not the uneventful Korean powwow, the honeymoon. Play date. I guess it's the honeymoon revisited. I don't know. We exchanged lovers and we letters and I fell in love. I don't know if Donald Trump's ever going to live that one down, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the inaccurate uh, economic claims that keep emerging from Trump supporters uh, in public about the economy. The truth is not being told, I'm afraid. Yes, yeah, City Calling coming up next here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. What would you like to hear? Um, WCBN? WCBN. WCBN, 88.3 FM. Radio Zilla lives there. And Rodan, and Mandra, and King Hedro. Computer? Computer. Tell us, computer, where is Radio Zilla? Computer? Come on. Radio Sundays Zilla. from 2 until Radio 3 p.m. You'll hear wide variety of modern music from East Asia, only on WCBN FM and Burma. WWWCBN Org WWWCBN Org Visit us at www.wcbn.org and listen to us via streaming MP3 or QuickTime. It's Raymond Barrow in the background on the piano, doing the walking blues, telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name's Jerry Mack, your host this evening, as usual, for an hour-long excursion into the land of Delta Blues and early urban blues performed and lived by the men and women who started it all. This track found on the 
Piano Blues Volume 2 on Paramount, or Paramount Recordings, re-released on the English Magpie label. It's done in 1929 for Raymond Barrel. And we'd like to thank everyone